This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Coming up on today's show, we'll speak with Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer Marcus Dupree, a high school legend, college and pro football player from Philadelphia, Mississippi, and a subject of a Willie Morris book and an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary. He's lived about eight lifetimes in one. Also, we'll speak with Hutkey Fields, who's a Nachi Nation tribe member who will be competing in stickball this weekend in the 30th annual Natchez powwow. But first, we've invited onto the program the Biloxi Shuckers media relations manager and uh, broadcaster Garrett Green. The Shucker season is coming up. Um, we're right upon it right here, and they'll be starting another season at MGM Park right there off of Beach Boulevard. Thanks for speaking with us this morning, Garrett. How are you? I'm doing very well this morning. Just a sunny day here on the coast. It's uh, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Absolutely. Well, welcome to Mississippi, number one, and, and congrats on the gig with the, the Shuckers. Um, how did you go about uh, lining up the gig and, and seeing that and saying, okay, I want let me go broadcast for the Shuckers? Um, well, it's, uh, you know, I've, I'd had a relationship with the team for about the last two years or so. I had the opportunity to meet them. Uh, at the winter meetings a couple of years ago and uh, became friends with Chris Harris. I worked in the Milwaukee Brewers system last season um, at the rookie level affiliate in Helena, Montana. Uh, so obviously with guys who had come through there and keeping up with alumni from Helena, they had a chance to come through and play here in Biloxi as the AA affiliate for the Milwaukee Brewers. And just an opportunity to, to keep up with them. And, uh, you know, Chris Harris, who did an excellent job here for the first three seasons, the team was here in Biloxi when I heard that he was moving on to um, the Mississippi Braves. Uh, I just, you know, threw my threw my name in and inquired, and and fortunately got the opportunity to come in and broadcast games and, and work in the media relations department uh, here with the Shuckers. Well, very cool. Now, I, where is home for you? Because number one, Montana <laughs> to Mississippi is culture shock for anybody, no matter how cultured they are. Uh, so, so outside of those two places, where is home for you? Where do you come from? So home is Arlington, Texas, uh, right there halfway between Dallas and Fort Worth. Uh, but, yes, in, in the last uh, three years, uh, in the typical life of a sports broadcaster working seasonal work, I've lived in Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, Texas, St. Paul, Minnesota, Helena, Montana, and now here in Biloxi. So tell me your, your, your initial impressions of the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Well, I like the fact that, uh, you know, we're hearing about a fourth nor'easter going on. And, you know, the <laughs> coldest it's gotten here has required me to put a light jacket on every now and then. Right. Um, you know, be, being here on the coast is wonderful. Um, it, it's, a, it's a very laid-back atmosphere. People are very nice. Um, and and I've, I've just been thrilled with, with how the, the culture is here um, and how people treat you. It, it's been, you know, very, a very easy transition to move here to the coast. Yeah, it's a, a beautiful place, and that uh, that Gulf breeze, man, it is it, it never turns off, which is amazing. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that that'll be nice in the middle of summer. I oh, absolutely. All right, so tell <laughs> us about the this this year's Shucker season. When does it begin, and uh, what do you anticipate this coming season? Well, 
so uh, the opening day for the Shuckers, uh, we actually open on the road again this season. So we start in Montgomery against the Biscuits on April 5th. Uh, but our first home game will be on April 11th here at MGM Park. We'll welcome in the Mississippi Braves. Uh, and it, it should be another great season. We've got um, giveaways along with fireworks every Friday night. We've got a total of 12 fireworks shows this year. Wow. Um, here, here on the coast, um, uh, we've got great giveaways and, and guest appearances. One right off the top is uh, on April 21st. We're going to have um, an autos in the outfield sh- um, car show that's going on. And then also we're going to have uh, squints from the Sandlot. The Milwaukee Brewers obviously oh, yeah. headlines over the weekend by doing a recreation in honor of the 25-year anniversary of the film. But we're actually going to have Chauncey Leopardi, who uh, played squints in the film. He's going to make an appearance here at the ballpark for a meet and greet on the 21st. But, you know, we've got... all kinds of, of great appearances. We're expecting to have uh, Peppa Pig. The first circus is going to be here again this season. Uh, we're doing a Mississippi Sea Wolves tribute night. Uh, we're not at home on the Fourth of July, but we're going to start off the you know festivities on the third of July and and do a fireworks extravaganza that night. Uh, and then we've also just got uh, great deals every day of the week as well. Uh, we've got Dog on Monday this year, so uh, every Monday night game that we have is Bark at the Park. So Bring your dog out um, for, you know, you have an option to purchase tickets for that. Um, We're doing, uh, you know, double play Thursdays this year. So it's Thirsty Thursday with a couple of extra things added in. All you can eat Wednesdays. And and as a celebration of our uh, Brewers affiliation, we're doing Brew Crew Tuesdays. So there are deals on um, Miller Lite and Bratwursts. And uh, I would encourage folks to come out. And it's not just on Tuesday night. uh, It's every night of the week you can try our uh, Brew Crew snack attack uh it's got fried green onions cheese curds french fries and onion rings um so that's (laughs) you know something to look for this season and uh and you know that that could knock out all the food that you need in the ballpark in just one trip to the concessions absolutely i know well from the from the 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 mississippi sea wolves uh, commemoration night that's awesome and then I know you a lot of, a lot of people's radars dinged when you said Peppa Pig there will be a lot of young little girls in the park mm-hmm. that day and that will be that will make for an interesting crowd do you have any like businessman specials this year some early start day at times during during the season so we do so we've got uh, four games this year that start at uh, 1035 most of them are education days that we're doing but uh, we will have four day games this season uh, that again go off at 1035 uh, and then when we close out the season um, on Labor Day which is Monday September 3rd uh, we're also doing a, a 105 first pitch for that so there are a total of five day games that we have uh, coming up this season but we also get started a little bit earlier on Sundays this year um, 205 for the first pitch through the first part of June uh, but then we'll, we'll we'll move back to 405 to try and give folks a little bit of shade at the park once we move into July and the dog days of August. Absolutely. Uh, Liz has set me up with some stats here and I'm a stats dork but she's, she's shown me where the Shuckers ranked first out of 10 participating minor league baseball teams and customer satisfaction including uh, safety and security, staff, environment, technology, entertainment, food and beverage. I mean, obviously, that that's an emphasis for the organization and, and and for the people, you know, operating the park and the game day environment. Tell me a little bit about what all goes into that. Uh, 
I, I mean, that's really when, you know, obviously the, the, the team on the field is what gets a lot of headlines, but that's just indicative of the great staff that we have here. Um, everybody from our game day ushers to the folks that uh, sell you tickets at the box office um, to people who take care of you here in the ballpark. Uh, it's a real collective effort from everybody here, and we feel like we have one of the best staffs in all of minor league baseball uh, and provide a, an experience when you come to the park. It's not just coming to a baseball game. It's coming out and having a full day's worth of experience and something that isn't just, oh, we saw a guy hit a home run today. It's it's memories that you create here at the ballpark, and, and we have staff all up and down and uh, great food service that, that really make that a possibility when folks come out here to the ballpark, and, and we feel like we've uh, reloaded again for this year and, and should be able to do about the same. So let me ask you about the uh, the ball club here. Now that we've we've talked, you know, all about everything else that's going on around the field, let's talk about what this team's going to do this year. It's been uh, the last three or four years. I mean, you called their their single A games last year. It's been a fun couple of years for their minor league organization because they've really they've been highly ranked. Uh, their their farm system, the Brewers farm system, is the last couple of years. Uh, but it's kind of a transitional period now because a bunch of those guys have moved up the ladder. So what are you expecting this this year for the Shuckers on the on the ball? You know, I would expect that it's going to be another good season here um, uh, at MGM Park. You know, for over the last three seasons, uh, the Shuckers have put together a winning campaign every single year. Um, over the last three seasons, they're one of only four teams to have an overall winning record, uh, and they have the third most wins in the league over the last three seasons. And, uh, you know, with, with the, the management in Milwaukee, and the shift that they made in 2015 when they came in and the emphasis that they put on the draft and acquiring prospects and putting that together, uh, I think that not only are you going to see a good team on the field, you'll see some players here that are going to have an opportunity to, to make it to the major leagues, hopefully not to, not in the not-so-distant future. Um, obviously, we, we've had prospects who have rolled through here. Uh, 16 guys who wore a Shuckers uniform have gone on to play in the major leagues, uh, and that's just in three seasons, and I'd expect more of the same this season. Um, you know, guys like Lucas Ersig, who's the, you know, the fourth-rated prospect in the Brewers organization, I think that he's due to be here this year. He, he spent most of the year at Advanced State Carolina and hopped up to Colorado Springs at the end of last season for two games, one of those late call-ups. Uh, I'd expect to see him here. He's been a great talent. Um, a guy like Trent Grisham, who is known as Trent Clark, uh, also is kind of scheduled to be here this season. Corey Ray, who was a first-round pick a couple of years ago, probably on schedule to be here this year. Uh, and then you can see guys like uh, Freddie Peralta, Luis Ortiz might be here again this season. Uh, just uh, As you look all up and down the Milwaukee Brewers' top prospects, a lot of those guys who haven't already hit that, that stage where they're about to be into the major leagues, your Brandon Woodruff's, your Brett you Brett Phillips. Um, Corbin Burns is obviously was here probably going to be at AAA Colorado Springs this year. Um, outside of those guys, uh, you can probably expect to see most of the top prospects come through this year. Uh, and obviously, we're all waiting to see what uh, Keston Hira, when he might arrive here uh, after gaining so much attention as the, the number one prospect and you know hitting in the high 300s yeah. uh, when he went to single A ball last season. So it's, it's set to be another exceptional year on the field um, for the Shuckers. And I think that with what Milwaukee has done um, to kind of shake the boat and get a little bit of national attention, uh, I think that the prospects 
quarterbacks we'll have here this this season are going to only continue that trend. All right, April 11th, opening day at MGM Park. If folks want to buy tickets or uh, inquire about season tickets or anything else going on with the club, how do they get in touch with you? Um, so, uh, obviously, for anything like that, uh, BiloxiShuckers.com is a, a great way to go to, to find out and get all of our information. We've got all of our promo days. You can buy tickets online there. Uh, but if you're looking for season tickets, you can call us at 228-233-3465, uh, and that's where you can do group outings. We've got uh, a couple of different great group options, the Mercedes-Benz Club. Uh, we've got our flight deck. We have the Community Bank Terrace. Um, so a, a lot of great group options if you want to bring folks out to the ballpark um, or just bring your family out. You can also give us a call and buy tickets online for this season. All right, Garrett, thank you so much for your time and uh, all the best. We'll talk to you again soon, all right? Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. You guys have a good rest of the day. All right, you do the same. Garrett Green, Biloxi Shuckers Media Relations Manager and Broadcaster for the 2018, I almost said 17, but it's already 2018, Biloxi Shuckers will start their, uh, what, fourth season in the Southern League this season. Again, opening night at MGM Park on uh, the coast is April 11th, and they'll be hosting the Mississippi Braves, which is, uh, I guess, kind of the arch rival a little bit. I've tried to ask people about that rivalry, and I get tepid response. So I don't know. Maybe they just... Maybe they just stare at each other from afar. All right, when we come back, we'll speak with Marcus Dupree, a Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame member who's had a wild ride in football over these years, a high school, college, USFL, NFL player from Philadelphia, the subject of a book by Willie Morris and a documentary by ESPN. Plus, later, Hutke Fields, a uh, Nachi Nation tribe member who will be attending the 30th annual Natchez Pow Wow, is going to talk to us about stickball. That's all coming up on MPB Season Pass. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with my producer, Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast when you go to mpbonline.org forward slash season pass. There's a purple button there that says subscribe. And if you click it, it'll get you started to have a season pass at your fingertips whenever you'd like, if you'd like such a thing. I'd like to welcome to the show now Marcus Dupree, a Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer, who, as I mentioned before, has had a pretty wild ride in football over these years. A high school All-American, a college player at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, USFL, the NFL, from Philadelphia, Mississippi. The subject of a book, The Courting of Marcus Dupree, and an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary uh, that went bananas in popularity called The Best That Never Was. Marcus Dupree on the show with us now. Marcus, thank you so much for your time. How are you? Uh, thank you guys for having me on, man. Everything's good today. Absolutely. Well, what was it like for you as a teenager from Philadelphia uh, to have uh, a Yazoo City turned New York City writer want to chronicle your senior year of high school, as Willie Morris did in his book, The Courting of Marcus Dupree? Well, you know, it, it was an honor. Uh, first of all, you know, just being able for someone to write, think, think about me and wanting to write a book about me. And then Willie Morris being able to do it, and, you know, him being from Yazoo City, 
and two Mississippi natives, and he's writing about me. So it, it, was, it was a big impression. I think it was a big, big impression on my classmates, and uh, and then it turned out to be a pretty good book. Yeah, and here's a here's a quote that uh, my producer uh, Liz pulled out for me here, um, describing the audience at your final high school game. The most distinctive crowds I've ever seen. Four thousand or so people seemed almost an equal mix of whites, blacks, and Indians. After Marcus scored his touchdown, Sid Salter saw Cecil Price Sr., who was linked to the murders of Cheney Goodman and Schwerner in Philadelphia, who was, quote, jumping up and down and cheering as hard as anyone. Ain't that a kick in the pants? Describe for me your your senior year at Philadelphia and in an era before what we have now with recruiting sites and, you know, everybody under the sun has a rating and all this kind of stuff. And everybody knows everybody because of the Internet. Tell me how the the Marcus Dupree bonanza kind of came to be and, and what it was like in Philadelphia. Well, uh, I can start way back to the ninth grade. I went to Ole Miss football camp, and Coach Good was the first guy who started recruiting me. And then I ran into high school track meet against Calvin Smith, who at one time was the fastest human in the world. And I was only ninth grader. And it just started building from there. And I, uh, I was blessed to be able to have good friends around and uh, good grandparents. And, and my mom was a school teacher. My grandfather was a minister. And had just good people around to be able to, to make the right choices in high school. And, you know, we, we weren't, the friends I had wasn't like, you know, we we weren't thinking about trying to get in trouble. We were thinking about trying to make our parents happy and and make good grades and and be successful. And and, and coming through, I was just blessed to have those friends around. But as far as the recruiting part of it, it was just, you know, in a way, it was a blare. But it wasn't. It, I wouldn't say it was a lot of pressure because I was just enjoying the ride, and and I didn't think I was as good as I, everybody said I was. So I was always trying to make myself better, and people would always come up talking to me about, you know, man, you wanted the best ride. You know, I, I didn't even pay attention to that because every every game I was trying to get better and better, and at the end of the day, I was trying to help my team win, and we were all about winning. So. Uh, what what was what was some of the the wildest things that and I, I mean I guess some of it probably is way not radio friendly but what, what were some of the crazy things you were offered to go to school X during your recruitment? Well, uh, you know it is the typical stuff: the cars, the girls, uh, money. Uh, probably the wildest thing: the amount of money that I was offered. And uh, you know I've talked about it on ESPN and. And, uh, you know, I, I got offered 250 and they said colleges don't do <laughs> bad things. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I think uh, most of them do, and they're still doing it. I don't care what they say. That's just part of the business. But I got offered a lot of money per year to go to a certain school, and, and it happened. And my mom wasn't going for it because she was all about, you know, if, you, if you're going to get something, you're going to get it on your own. Nobody's going to give it to you, so you got to work to get it. So uh, it's it just Farrah Fawcett. You know, she was big back then. You know, she called my house. <laughs> I, mean, my, my, <laughs> I mean, it was it, it was crazy. I went out to UCLA. Uh, my friend Marty, Marty Gamble, who was working at that time for Glenn Campbell, was from Philadelphia, Mississippi, and they found out, UCLA found out that Marty uh, was from Philadelphia, and he, he called me up one day and was like, Marcus, what is going on at home? Everybody's calling me out here talking about, you need to get Marcus out here. I said, I have no idea, Marty. I'm just playing ball. And he's like, well, you must be doing something because 
everybody out here wants to know who are you coming to UCLA and you know and I went out there for uh, me and my cousins went out there for a summer trip and to visit Marty because he had always come home and, and visit his parents and we was like Marty we come to LA because we never been to LA so me and my cousins and friends went out there and and we we he put us in the house in Beverly Hills and. And uh, wow. we got to see Lou Ferrigno. We got to see John Snyder. We got to see John Chef. I mean, we saw a ton. All these people knew Marty, and we were like, "Wow!" I was only like the tenth grade. Yeah. And so we seen all these people that we see on TV, and we was just amazed. I mean, it was it was something to see. I can tell you that. That's pretty incredible. So let me let me ask you how. First off, Farrah Fawcett. I mean, every red blooded male in the 1980s had that <laughs> one poster up on their wall, and then she and calls no, your house. My goodness. All right. So let me ask you, ultimately, you went to Oklahoma. So what was it that, uh, you know, you and, and, and mom and the family, wh- why is it that you landed on Oklahoma? Because at the end of the day, we sit down and, and at the end of the day, we, we put down a list of options and the things that I wanted out of going to college. And that's the first thing to try to get my degree. Number two was a team that was going to be on TV every week. And number three, a chance to win a national championship. And number four, maybe to win the Heisman, which the Heisman wasn't even in my thoughts. I just wanted to win. I like winning. And Oklahoma gave me the opportunity because they played on TV every week. Yeah. And they were always in the top five or top six or top ten every year. Uh, Coach Switzer had the swagger that you know, all the kids like. He could talk to junk and, and everybody <laughs> loved Coach Switzer. And, and then they're always competing for a national championship. And so that's that's pretty much why I went to Oklahoma. And I'm, I'm glad I did and, and glad I made that decision. If I had to do it again, I still would make that same decision because it's also we were looking at life after football because they treat their their athletes when they leave Oklahoma they they're always welcome back and they always treat them like the NFL stars no matter what. And that's amazing because your two seasons there, and this is well documented. Barry Switzer, you just you mentioned, could talk the talk, and uh, he's he's had quite an interesting life of his own. Uh, you know, Bootlegger's Boy, the book about him is is extremely interesting, also. But right. your two seasons there, man, it seemed like his like he almost made it his mission to make your life as difficult, or your football life anyway, as difficult as possible. Why, why do you think? Why do you think he was he was like that? What what brought that on? You know what? I, I, we sit down and talk. We're, we're best friends now. I mean, we we talk once a month, whatever. And you know, I don't know. I mean, it was just you know, he said because I was so good. He knew the first day that I was so good that you know, I guess back then just freshmen weren't supposed to be that good. Yeah. And so the first the first scrimmage I come in. I'm running fourth team against the first team defense now. The first team defense is like the one or two number number one or two defense in the country. Yeah. And I shredded it. I, I carried the ball like nine times and had like 150 yards against their first team defense. And I knew that day after that day, I knew I could play big time college football. I said, well, you know what? If I can run against this defense, I know I can play. And so, but he get all. I guess he just didn't want me to get out there too quick or whatever, or he, you know. I guess back then the seniors had seniority or juniors or whatever. So, you know, I guess that's what we went through. I don't know. Yeah, very interesting. But, uh, but he apologized and he said, you know, he said he was wrong. And, and, and like I said, I, I go stay at his house when I go to Oklahoma and we, we do different radio shows together. And, and he'll call me <laughs> up in the middle of the night, hey, big boy, what you got going on? I said, go to sleep. What are you doing up this time of night at your age? Oh. 
<laughs> you know, Coach Switzer, he hadn't changed. He's almost 80 years old. He's still Barry Switzer. That's right. Yeah, and and one of the few coaches that's won uh, college national championships and NFL Super Bowl. So yeah, yeah. after a couple years at Oklahoma, you went to the USFL, which was, you know, the, the, the startup competition at the time for the National Football League. And it was a very interesting time to be a, a pro- prospective pro football player because if you were a cream of the crop type of guy, the USFL was looking to make a statement for, uh, you know, toward the NFL. And they threw some cash at some guys. And you may or may not have been one of those guys, Marcus. Tell me what it was like to be involved with the USFL. It was awesome, man. I'll tell you what, that, that was a great league. It had great ownership. We had some great players, Steve Young, Herschel Walker, to name a few, uh, myself. I mean, it was it was a great league, and it should have stayed in the spring. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to shoot you straight to you 100%. All right. It was Donald Trump who messed the league up. That league was still been going on right yeah. now, and people would have jobs and it would have been a farm league for the NFL if Donald Trump wouldn't have took it, try to make it. I tell you, I'll back it up. The guys that owned the Tampa Bay Bandits wanted to keep the league in the summer. You know, it's a summer league. We could have guys go over to the NFL if they wanted to. It could have been a farm league. And so when the guy from Tampa Bay got sick in cancer and died, that's when Donald Trump took over and wanted to go against the NFL. He had a mission at the end of the day. He wanted to put an NFL team, a team in the NFL, which the owners would not let him. And so he wanted to try to push the NFL, and you don't push the NFL. We won the lawsuit, but we only got a dollar. A and dollar. They were up the Darrell League. That's it. Trying to fight the NFL. One dollar worth of damages. Summer, would have kept it in the summer and, and worked with the NFL. The NFL would have put money back into it. The league was making it well. We had three TV contracts, so that's all that mattered. And it would have it would have kept kept growing from there from then from then to now that league would have been still going. It's funny because now I mean since then there have been continuous leagues that have tried to I think you know mimic the success that the, the USFL had at least in terms of traction to a certain extent uh, right, ever since right. then all right so so injuries kind of washed you out of the USFL and then you ran into Walter Payton who is another guy from Mississippi from a small town from Columbia uh, who who went on to gain you know household name status uh, in the United States but tell me about Walter's impact on your life well, you know, uh, we, we we talked over time when, you know, I was being recruited and, you know, he was, we were used to talk about recruiting and where I should go. And and uh, so we always stayed in contact. And, and then I told him one day I decided, you know, I want I, I think I want to come back. The doctor said for me not to play again, but I think I want to try, at least try. And uh, he said he thought that would be a good idea. And so I, I built my own weight room and started working out and, and uh, it just so happened that my head coach in the USFL was Dick Corey, was also the quarterback coach at the uh, at the Rams when I decided to come back. And I called Coach Corey up and he said, "Well, Marcus, you better than better than uh, most backs with two legs. So if you still got one good leg, we'll sure dog on take it. So get in shape and let me know when you're ready to come out. We'll work you out. And we'll go from there. And that's what happened. What happened with your time uh, in the NFL? 
Well, uh, I think I got caught up in the, the they had signed a couple guys out of you know Australia College and they had to give them big money, but they weren't producing. And my last year in the NFL, I led the league the preseason in rushing, and nobody thought I was going to be cut. But I think it's about the money, and at that time the Rams were real cheap. So uh, they had already spent a bunch of money on these, these draft picks. So uh, I got caught up. I think I just got caught up in the money deal. That's yeah. To the business. So uh, in in 2017, uh, you were inducted into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame, and I think a lot of people are like, "Wow, why did it take that long?" But uh, what was it like uh, to be inducted into the Sports Hall of Fame of your home state? Well, you know, I love my state, the state of Mississippi. I always try to represent my state well. Um, it was just an honor to be able to go in with people like Eugenia Connor and, and Jay Powell and a number of other girls, Rick Cleveland. And uh, it was just, it's just an honor. And, and, and I, when we talked about going to the Hall of Fame, I said, well, you know what? Me going to the Hall of Fame is fine, but it's just not, it's just not about me. It's about my mom. My grandparents who spent the time to make sure that I got to the right places and got to practice on time and washed my uniforms and <laughs> and did what I needed to, you know they did what I they needed to do to get me where I needed to be and that's that's what it's really about and my friends who supported me regardless good bad or ugly they was always the, my true friends they were always there and telling me the truth and we telling each other the truth so that's. That to me, that's the most most important thing is the people that were that were around, like I said, when the good, the bad, or the ugly, and, and so that's the honor is more honor for them, and who pushed me and put me there. When you were back in Philadelphia, did you, did you play any other sports? How, how many other sports did you play? I hear I so many people. All four sports. I played all four. Uh, ran track. I was. All district basketball player, uh, played baseball. I should have kept playing. Nobody pushed me to play baseball. I just love the game. I batted 500 out of high school. But so, nobody you, ready to kept saying, you need to play football. I'm like, now I go back and look at it. I'm like, I should have played baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's that's crazy. I wonder, you know, it's it's interesting to, to wonder what would have happened if, but, I mean, no, I mean, you, you were, obviously, everybody was pushing you uh, toward football. So that's extremely yeah. interesting, though. Hey, I, I'm so glad we had a chance to, uh, to catch up with you this morning. I hope we can bring you on again uh, very soon and talk about everything else and what you're doing today and, and, and what's in the future still yet for Marcus Dupree. Yeah, I, I definitely want to come back and we want to talk about, you know, I'm involved with uh, my foundation, which is the, the Marcus Dupree Foundation. We're building the website as we speak. Uh, I'm involved with Families First of Miss for Mississippi. And, and uh, I want to talk about New Summit Schools, which we want to, my foundation wants to be involved with. Uh, we are going to be involved with autism and dyslexia. And uh, we want to just get involved in the state. And uh, I'm always going all over the country speaking. And, and uh, we, Mississippi's always the first to be last. They all right. say we're last and everything. And so I'm tired of hearing that. And, uh, you know, Families First is about connecting the dots with other social services in the state to be able to try to make Mississippi better. So we can make uh, families better in Mississippi. Mississippi will definitely come up and be first. Is there any is there contact information or anything like that? Well, they can go to www.familiesfirstformississippi.org. Or they can go to, uh, as soon as the website gets finished, they can go to the, T-H-E, the Marcus Dupree Foundation.com. All right. Looking forward to it. Marcus, thank you so much for your time again, man. I'd love to talk to you again very soon, all right? 
Let's do it. Let's, maybe we'll bring up Switzerland next time. <laughs> All right. We'll have to do that. I, I really appreciate it. All right. Sounds good, man. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot. Marcus Dupree right there, one of the uh, all-time legendary high, sc- uh, high school football players in history uh, and uh, one of the most legendary sports names in uh, Mississippi history. And that's covered a lot of ground. There have been a lot of incredible players from all different walks of life and sports in Mississippi. And uh, Marcus Dupree's name goes hand in hand with just about any of them right there. That's it's I, I wish that I was a little bit older when his time in Philadelphia was going on. I would have loved to seen to have seen the the, the circus, the zoo um, that was going on around his games in in, in, in Philadelphia is a small town now. I mean, I can't. In 1980, it was a teeny tiny town, and I mean, four or five thousand people packed into their games. Just incredible. Um, <laughs> so it's very interesting. All right, when we come back, uh, we appreciate Marcus Dupree for being on the program again. When we come back, we have with us Hutkey Fields, who is part of the Nachi Nation, which is uh, in the state of Oklahoma. They're traveling to the 30th annual Natchez Powwow, which is coming up this weekend, and taking part in all the stickball that's going on there. And he has uh, some descriptions for us about how it used to be played, how it's played now, where it comes from from and much much more that's after this timeout this is MPB season pass on think radio This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I am Jay White. Saturday, March the 24th and 25th, that's a Sunday also, uh, the 30th annual Natchez Powwow will be going on at the Village of the uh, Natchez Indians, 400 Jefferson Davis Boulevard in Natchez. With us now to talk about one of the great events going on, uh, the stickball competition. It's talked to us a little bit about stickball. Is Hutkey Fields with the Natchez Nation, which is Surrounded by the U.S. state of Oklahoma, and they'll be traveling to Natchez. By the way, they're both spelled the very same. Uh, Mr. Fields, thank you for your time. How are you this morning? I'm great. As we mentioned, uh, one of the one of the great events of the powwow is is the stickball game. That's why we've invited you on the show today. It may be a long story, but tell us how you became involved in stickball. Oh my goodness! First, I might start by saying we just going to have a good day to you and uh, from all of us here in Oklahoma. Uh, stickball started oh, thousands of years ago, and most of the Southeast tribes played it either as a game bedded upon or 
in place of war. And many wow. tribes called it the little brother of war. Basically, there aren't any rules. Uh, one of the elders throws a golf ball-sized ball, leather ball, from the middle of the field. And from then, it's pandemonium until <laughs> somebody gets the ball into the correct goal. And then they start over again at, at the middle of the field. And it's played with two, usually hickory sticks, that have cups at the end that are uh, either uh, done when they're still green or soaked in water for a long time. And so it's all one stick. We call it push Jewish. Wow, you said uh, that, that the game actually was used sometimes as a replacement for war? Yes, sir. Or in lieu of war? How would that? How would they go about doing that? Well, they say we'll just solve the problem. We'll have a stickball game. Because we didn't actually like to make war on each other. We wanted peace and, and uh, continuity and great things for our kids just like everybody else. But So that's one of the reasons why we played stickball. But the reason they call it Little Brother of War is because people can get uh, injured really badly or may die playing the game. And we play it just like we used to in uh, one of the ceremonial grounds that I know of has a big, big stickball field and they have an annual game with several of the other stomp grounds and there's like over 200 men fighting over the ball that's the size of a golf ball. Holy cow, wow. Throwing, catching it and throwing it with those little itty bitty rackets, or I guess you'd call them. Well, you say you still, you play the game today just as it was, uh, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago. So how do you, and then at the same time you told me there's there's not really rules to the game. So how do you go about recreating uh, the game and, and maybe like the, the are there any parameters for the field or anything like that? How you set that up? Well, a long time ago there didn't used to be any parameters for the field. <laughs> In fact, there were so many players that we've heard of a field that was a, a mile long or so. Wow. And uh, it's really a tough game. Either you grab the ball and are slick enough to run with it like in football um, or you're not. You get tackled by 17 guys. And these days they line the, uh, the field which is of approximate size of football field probably longer and um, sometimes the trucks and cars used to be uh, covered wagons uh, would park on the edges of the field but still yeah if a ball lands in the middle of the bed of your truck <laughs> then there's going to be 15 guys in the bed of your truck fighting over a ball. That's fantastic. Uh, so let me ask you um, how did stickball how did it exist within the culture uh, of, of an individual tribe or the tribes in general and, and I ask with the context of you know these days oftentimes sports can be a big deal sometimes too seriously you get a, a young child that shows a little athleticism and all of a sudden he's being groomed to be an athlete of some you know particular sport did did that happen did uh, if somebody you know showed any kind of particular really good athleticism oh he's going to be he's going to be one of the stickball players yep that happened but usually if they're young they get to play a separate game mostly they would be uh, oh, people start touching medicine that means cleansing themselves inside and out uh, when they're about 13 or so so you might find 13 year olds on the on the field in fact uh, my son was on the opposite team from one of the other kids we had taken down there one time and we have ambulances watching us <laughs> right and my son ran over basically through this other kid who was about 15 
that gif and nailed him to the ground and ran on. I was refereeing and he stood up and I had to ask him what day it was and where he was at and stuff like that because and uh, ambulance drivers were just wowed that he even got up from that because I mean no pads no helmet blasted to the ground by a 250 pound giant. <laughs> right. With the way sports works today does anybody try to give uh, anybody try to give you grief about uh, you know playing like that? Well the ceremonial game we play on trust land belonging to the tribes. Yeah. And it's uh, we don't allow fighting basically. Yeah. It's the only rule change. You can't get angry out there. You either uh, are skillful enough to get the ball or not. Sometimes there are little huddles out there you'd call them I guess that the ball dropped on the ground and there's let's see 12 to 15 people going after that ball with two sticks that would be 30 sticks. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who are some of the other tribes that play uh, stickball maybe that, that that your nation competes with often or that you run into uh, when you come to the powwow in Natchez? Well, actually, there's um, two different kinds of stickball these days. There's the sports stickball that they play at uh, tribal reunion days, uh, and then there's a ceremonial version. We play roughly. Um, that's the wrong word. Uh, we play <laughs> with most of the traditional, well, all of the traditional, traditional rules when we play. In other words, you can't get mad and, and uh, sportsmanship is expected and uh, it's all in who can win and who can not win and that's about it. Uh, but the Choctaws play stickball, Chickasaws, Seminoles, uh, Creeks, and all of those other old tribes that, that used to be affiliated with the Creek Nation or the Chickasaw Nation. What You mentioned the, the, the more ceremonial uh, practice of the game. What, what's What's the difference between the two? Well, in a sport game, you line up and you click sticks together, a high five, <laughs> and then uh, you go to your respective side of the field and spread out in offensive positions and deep defensive positions, and then you play the game. And sometimes those sportsmen are not as sportsmen as we would like to have them, mm. and they might start a fight and they get kicked out of the game, uh, but they can come back in later. The the ceremonial version, we do basically, it's kind of a dance, like a snake in a coil with uh, with a certain song that goes with it, and that would be like uh, the pre-football pep rally, but with the players themselves doing it in the middle of the field. And then they line up and put their sticks down so that the referee can count and make sure that each side has the same number of players. So they may, may either ask for another player. We did one time. He uh, Noel Smith, who did uh, research on the Natchez Nazi people uh, from 1730 on towards the modern age, rather than previous to that, because there had been a lot of research on that. But he, we asked him to join, he said, sure, yeah. And he got blasted to the ground several times, <laughs> jumped right back up. And he was, I mean, non-Indian, had never played before, but it looked kind of neat, so he did it. Uh, uh, neat indeed, I guess. Well, you get a wake-up call right there. Um, <laughs> the the 30th annual Natchez Pow Wow is going on Saturday, March 24th and Sunday, March 25th at the Village of the Natchez uh, Indians, 400 Jefferson Davis Boulevard in Natchez. Hutkey Fields with the Natchez Indian Nation of Oklahoma. Thank you so much for your time this morning. You are welcome. And uh, greetings to everyone. We, we are so thrilled to be there each time we go. So we'll be there again. Absolutely. 
And that's coming up um, this weekend in uh, Natchez, the 30th annual Natchez powwow. All right, when we uh, come back from our last break here, we'll have some events going on this weekend across the state of Mississippi, some things to maybe pay attention to. And that will be after we come back from this break with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Liz, we have March Madness Ping Pong Tournament going on. Well, that's uh, a lot better than uh, uh, March Madness Basketball Tournament for some. That Can you believe it? It's been one week, one week since the NCAA officially tournament officially started yep and the games will start back tonight and uh i know a lot uh, i guess maybe you get into the good or the better basketball games tonight but for the bracketologists and all of us i think uh, most are already disengaged unless you had maybe villanova as your champion if you had uh virginia then you've got no reason to watch unless you just like basketball anyway we have a march madness ping pong tournament that's i love happening. ping pong do you all right, that's coming on tomorrow from 1 to 7 at the Cathead Distillery in uh, Jackson. Uh, there's a nominal entry fee, and the ping pong tournament is a double elimination competition with a cash prize for the winner. Uh, there'll be food trucks there and uh, basketball games on screens for people to watch the actual basketball tournament. Uh, and they'll have uh, beverages for sale there, tours of the uh, distillery, and much, much more. All ages and pets are welcome. What's with taking your pet everywhere? You can take your pet to a Shuckers game now, and you can take your pet to a distillery? <laughs> Right, yeah, I do. Well, there are more and more baseball. Uh, I, well, not, not just baseball, I guess, but uh, more and more pro sports teams have started having pet days. Uh, but not a lot of cat days. They're all dog dog days. I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, we have. Is it tonight or tomorrow night? I don't see a day for this, but um, Pascagoula and Moss Point which are Jackson County arch rivals, are playing baseball at MGM Park in Biloxi. Uh, and that will be, I'll have to, I forgot to put what day it is here, so I'll have to look that up. But it's 7 p.m. coming up. And uh, that's interesting. There's, a, there's been a ton of different uh, high school, college, junior college baseball games at MGM Park uh, every, uh, every year so far since the stadium has been completed. And this year is no different. Saturday the 24th. All right. So tomorrow night, Seven, uh, excuse me, Saturday. 
I'm, all, I'm, I'm trying to make it Friday. It is not Friday. Maybe it is in my head already. Um, it's uh, Saturday, 7 p.m., Pascagoula versus Moss Point at MGM Park in Biloxi. The Walk Mississippi, Mississippi Gulf Coast um, benefit for the National uh, MS Society is going on in Ocean Springs. Uh, that'll be 8 to 10 p.m. And then um, there's... Um, of course, Mississippi State in their chase for a national championship. They are playing in Kansas City. We're not asking you to go to Kansas City. It might be sold out by this time anyway. But um, for those uh, wanting to watch, that will be uh, tomorrow, Mississippi State versus North Carolina State. And that will be at 5.30 p.m. So hopefully get off work in time. Uh, Mississippi State is 34-1. And and I said Mississippi State. There's two sets of S's. Mississippi State. NC State is 26-8. The Wolf Pack are the four seed. The Bulldogs are the number one seed. The other semifinal in that regional is UCLA, who is 26-7, versus Texas, who is 28-6. And And the regional championship will be Sunday in Kansas City as well at the Kemper Arena, 6.30 p.m. Um, It seems ESPN can't figure out how to make a proper Mississippi State graphic. They um, for it seemed like three or four weeks, maybe a, maybe a month or longer during the season. Uh, part of the SEC network graphics that they have produced for each of the SEC teams, Mississippi State said Mississippi State Delta Devils. Oh that is, no! That is specifically the wrong school. Uh, Mississippi Valley State are the Delta Devils. Mississippi State are the Bulldogs. And then um, I can't. Is it when Mississippi State played Louisville, the men's team uh, beat Louisville the other night in the NIT? They threw up a bracket that said Mississippi State. Now it's it's that's now, ironic. I've heard sippy state. You know, <laughs> right. p- people say sippy. Yeah, well, it's ironic and funny because folks here, as you heard just me do it just a second ago, people skip that second set of S's or first, whichever is your preference, and just go with uh, Mississippi. Uh, but that's not how it's pronounced, and it's certainly not how it's spelled. And yeah, they've just they slapped Mississippi State on a graphic. So I don't know. I think I'm just going to call them Mississippi State Delta Devils from here on out because that's. Evidently, what ESPN thinks of them, but uh, yeah, the, the women's team is still alive. Thirty-four and one, they won the first two games in their uh, home arena, and now they're on to the Sweet Sixteen. And the boys, the men, they have won uh, three games in the NIT, and that puts them in the semifinals. They're part of the uh, the last four, the final four in the NIT. And uh, the final four of the NIT tournament is, of course, famously played in Madison Square Garden in New York City. They'll take on Penn State. And I don't have that one in front of me. I can go find that. But uh, it's it's coming up Tuesday, actually. It's Tuesday night uh, of next week is the semifinals. Mississippi State versus Penn State from New York City, Madison Square Garden. That'll be a lot of fun for those guys. And they look really, really good. Uh, as good now as they may have looked all season. They boat raced Louisville in their building. Uh, in Kentucky uh, just a couple days ago. That will do it for us. And uh, we thank you so much for listening. I want you to stay tuned. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart is coming up next on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.